This episode of EM Weekly has been archived. The ideas presented by the former host of EM Weekly may not reflect or represent the values of the Readiness Lab and the Doberman Emergency Management Group. Out of respect for the guests who contributed to this episode, it remains available online. EM Weekly starting right now, bringing emergency managers from around the world together to learn, share, and collaborate. If you think about the city, there's thousands of fire hydrants around the city all the time now that some of them are never ever used. Right. Yeah, in the case of a heli hydrant up on these hillsides, we know they'll be used. Oh. Hi, and welcome to EM Weekly, and this is your host, Todd DeVoe speaking. And as we've been discussing the wildfires and bushfires over the last couple of weeks, um, I was doing some reading and I came across the Healy tank from Whaling Fire Products. And I reached out to the CEO and asked her if she would come on the show. And then she said, hey, do you want to talk to the guy who invented the thing? I said, heck yeah. So Mark Whalen came into the studio and we sat down and had a great conversation. And well, you'll hear this in a minute. But before I get an interview, we have to talk about the failure of emergency management in Puerto Rico. Now, we talk about our successes and we should celebrate those when we have them. And we learn from our failures as well. And in this case, I, I don't know what the problem was, where it came from, whether it was corruption, whether it was just incompetence, whether it was a direct order from somebody else. But they, the people of Puerto Rico, found a warehouse full of emergency supplies that were given to them for Maria and people died. And I can't say it's directly because those supplies were given out, but those supplies were sure life-sustaining supplies. Baby formula, diapers, batteries for radios, crank radios, water, and pallets and pallets of water. What are we doing? How did this happen? People are for calling for an investigation into what happened wrong with FEMA um, with Maria. We need to call for an investigation of how did those supplies just get caught in that warehouse and never were issued. You know, the warehouse was across the street, or one of the warehouses, I heard that there's possibly three, was across the street from, from the government buildings. Right in the, in the midst of everything that was going on during Maria. And they had supplies there for people. It's perplexing. I'm not pointing fingers at this point. I'm not, I'm not blaming anybody at this point. I just want to know what, what went wrong so we can learn from it. Because we have to learn from these mistakes. The residents of Puerto Rico are taken to the streets and calling for the senior officials to step down, to, to resign. Potentially even a recall. We're emergency managers. We got into this job specifically to help people. If you're not here to help people, then you're in the wrong business. And we have to be the voice of the members of our community. If somebody's telling us not to do something that's completely wrong, you might have to step away and walk away from something, but at least argue your point that we have to help them. It's our duty. 
We took an oath to serve. We should serve. Now on to the interview. Mark, welcome to Ian Weekly. Oh, good to be here, Todd. Thanks for having inviting us. So I was kind of excited. I was coming across some of the stuff that you're doing and uh, with your new-ish, I suppose, I say ish, um, fire equipment company. Um, and you had this really cool, innovative gear that I saw. And it's the Helo. No, I'm sorry. He, is a Helo? Heli Hydrant. Heli, thank you. Yes. The Heli Hydrant. So we got the Helo Spot, the Heli Spot. Now we got the Heli Hydrant for sure. Yes. And... You know, especially with all the wildfires that are going on across California, where we live and, and work, uh, but of course, of course, Australia and, and even in Europe, oh, yes. uh, these, these crazy fires. And if you've seen some of the video uh, and some of the dynamic video of helicopters coming into people's pools, grabbing water out of those pools, out of lakes and stuff like this, um, this kind of answers that question of where can helicopters get water. Tell me about your product and how you came up with it. Well, the, the product is a tank. It's pretty basic. It's about 12 feet in diameter, about five feet tall. But the important uh, uh, parts behind it are the plumbing and the radio controlled nature of that plumbing and how it communicates with helicopters. And so that's the device in a nutshell. But how, what, what it basically is, is a place for helicopters to get water. But we knew we couldn't have a bunch of tanks sitting around a city that would, be, that would be full of water. That just wouldn't be a good idea. So we had to find a way for the pilots to turn on the water, and that's what we developed. And that's kind of the, the most important part is a pilot can pull in, hover out about a few hundred feet, go to the right channel, do the right kind of signal, and the tank turns on and fills to the correct level. And from that point on, he can snorkel, snorkel, dip, dip, and fight fire all day long. And so we call them heli hydrants because now we picture them placed around a city at predetermined distances and correct locations, just like we place hydrants. Right. So I, I live in the um, urban wildlife interface. Uh, my backyard basically um, is the hills going um, up into. I live in Southern California, Orange County, and it's basically the division between LA County and Orange County, and it's just all wildland. And, you know, that's one of my biggest uh, concerns of when that um, area, if it turns, if it catches on fire, you know, how it's really, it's not remote necessarily. It's actually kind of hard to get to, <laughs> to believe it or not. And, you know, I see the helicopters going over there practicing in that area. Um, is that like an area that you'd put one of these type of thing? That's exactly the kind of area. What we want to do is these would be, um, helihydrants would be placed in the wildland urban interface. Uh, the area where the, the wildland uh, starts to butt up against the cities, that's where the greatest threat is, and that's also where the water supply is. So if you're living in one of these areas that you just described, just picture those large million-gallon tanks that are up on the hillside oh, yeah. where all our water comes from. Come down a certain height, come out on a little tiny spur ridge, and that's where we put helihydrants. So, I mean, if you watch like an, an – I know it really makes great news, right? When you see the helicopters flying around and, and doing their thing and people don't realize where they have to go to get water. In some of these cases, it isn't close. They have to fly over to a lake someplace. They have to fly and they come back. And it, in relatively terms, it's, it's pretty quickly, right? They're, they're in the air. But how, how, how fast does the helihydrant get filled up and get the 
firefighters back on the job, putting those fires out instead of flying back and forth. Well, the heli hydrant fills as fast as the helicopter can take water out. So there's no delay in waiting on the heli hydrant. It takes about a minute or two minutes for those helicopters to fill with water. And then it's just flight time to the fire. So it's really all about cutting down that turnaround time. That's everything. Because I love helicopters. We all think they're spectacular. They are a great tool for firefighting, oh, rescue, yeah. and about 100,000 other things. But when it comes to firefighting, their value is in that drop of that water. And that's about 10 seconds. Once they're done dropping that water, it's they're just flying over, picking up, and coming back. So the value to the citizen is that water being dropped. And you can either buy more helicopters or you can put more heli hydrants in so the turnaround time is faster because that's the only way to get more water. What's the cost of something like that? Well, uh, cost of a helicopter is from 10 to $20 million. <laughs> right, right, right. The cost of a heli hydrant is from forty dollars to $60,000. Okay. Oh, that's super affordable then. Yes. Right. So so as somebody who's going to manage these events, these fires, these um, the, the emergency managers out there, the uh, the fire chiefs and whatnot – how would they like really implement these? Is it something that you just put out there? And is there a lot of plumbing that's associated with it? What's the buildup like? Like, well, the the part about the heli hydrant is it's installed in the same formula that a regular fire hydrant's installed. You go to the water district; they do the water calculations. We hook it up to the water main. We we follow all the same rules that you would with a a, a fire hydrant, and we find the location. And uh, we do the installation ourselves of the tank and the water department does the connection. So there, there isn't any great mystery about how it's done because it's regular waterworks kind of material that we're working with. One of the things we discovered as we were developing it is our tank has to meet the same standards as drinking water tanks mm. because we're hooked up to that same system. We have to build the tank and deliver the water in the tank in such a way as we protect the drinking water from ever being cross-contaminated. So there was a couple of things we figured out. Uh, once we did, we built these little tanks, and um, once they're installed, they're they're permanent structures. And so that's the that's the part I think is really important: is this is an additional permanent structure in your city to save your city. A lot of times, fire departments or communities want to improve their firefighting uh, ability. They'll add an engine, add some more manpower, but during the huge disasters, um, those engines get picked up, and sometimes they're sent far, far away. Right. These devices are permanent. They don't go anywhere. They're there in your city 24-7, 365. They operate day or night. They even have a light built in so that if the helicopters, which they're now starting to do some night snorkeling, need to operate at night, the, the, the tank is lit up much like you'd light up your pool. Same same kind of concept. Nice. And so um, uh, we, we really want to let people know you can do this. And it's not a fire department thing that does this. It's not a helicopter company thing that does this. It's the water district. It's the public's work people that are the real hero in these situations because they're providing the hardware for that pilot to get the water. Right. And in this particular scenario, they're the ones that are that are doing this. And the fire department is just literally benefiting from this. So outside of the time when the helicopter flies over, the pilot uses some sort of remote device to be able to turn the water on. It's a dry bed then at the point? Yeah, it's absolutely dry. We keep it dry because you wouldn't want standing tanks of water anywhere in your community. Um, it, it's uh, turned on by the pilot, and then there's a float valve that keeps it topped off. And that's all on a little compartment on the outside of the tank 
So the inside of the tank is free for the snorkel to go in, get water, and not snag or get caught on anything. How long does it take to fill up once the pilot pushes that, that button? Um, depending on how the hydraulics are worked for each individual tank, anywhere from 120 to 300 seconds. Oh, okay. So pretty, pretty quickly. Yeah, it, it's filling at a rate. It, you know, it starts off slowly and it shuts down slowly, but at its high flow rate, it could be as much as 500 to 750 gallons per minute. If you had multiple helicopters coming in to the to the to that tank, could they do you know relay or would it be each one has to turn it on? Or not? No, once it's turned on, it stands alone. There's okay. no more need to touch for a pilot to do anything. It'll stay active and working for the duration of the fire, whether that's hours or days or weeks. It won't make any difference. When they're all done with the tank, uh, there's a shutdown process that could be done by the pilot or the water district to reset the tank, and then it's ready to go again. Oh, that's great. And so, again, just to kind of think about this on the on the outside here, and this is a guy who's a, a ground guy, never really part, been part of the helicopter teams. You know, now you're reducing the time for that pilot to have to fly to a body of water, whether it be a lake somewhere or a stream or somebody's pool. Um, so they're able to come. They know where they're at so they can practice this before they, they have to go out and do things. So it's kind of embedded in their mind, almost like when uh, firefighters have an idea where the fire hydrants are around the city. Um, and they're able to get there, turn it on, get the water, and, and it's putting water, as we like to say, the uh, wet stuff on the red stuff, right? Exactly. And and we have the one that we installed uh, this fall or last fall, and uh, it's already being practiced on by the Orange County Fire uh, Joint Fire Authority. Uh, their pilots have been up there. They've hovered over it. They've turned it on, turned it off. They've snorkeled water out of it. Um, you know, they're, they they they, they like where it's at. It's it's right there in the that 91 corridor uh, where the 241 comes in. It's up on a hillside. Um, it's an area that likes to burn. It's an area that has burned before. Yeah. And so we don't want it to burn again. Right. So now speaking of the helicopters, now we have the 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 Firehawks down here. And then we have the um, Huey-type uh, helicopter that's here too. And then um, the Sheriff's Department, they have a smaller one with a bucket. Can each one of those those helicopter types hit that hydrant? Yeah. All the helicopters in our geographic area of Southern California can operate in these uh, heli hydrants. Uh, they're meant for the, the, the helicopters that we have. So a 12 foot diameter tank is well and above the diameter of what they can snorkel out of. They can, you know, there are tanks that are much smaller than that, that they get water out of regularly now, but we wanted to make something that was big enough for them and for other assisting uh, departments that would be bringing in their helicopters that might have buckets right. so that we could have as many people as possible dipping out of these heli hydrants. How about those big helicopter cranes? Those cranes. Sky cranes have Sky a cranes. snorkel. And as fast as those can snorkel the water up, the, the heli hydrant is engineered to refill right behind it. So um, by the time they get done snorkeling up and lift off and clear the tank, the tank should be topped off again for the next helicopter to come in. Wow. And those things suck up a lot of water. They sure do. Yeah. yeah, they really do. So basically, as long as it's a helicopter, obviously we're not being able to support fixed wing, but as long as it's a rotary wing craft with a snorkel or a bucket, you're, you're the heli. Uh, we're good to go. Yeah. That's that's outstanding. Well, let's take a quick break. And we when we come back from, from our break, I want to talk to you a little bit about um, command and control and, and how that would look like, because I know that's always a little bit different. Emergencies happen. Whether they're related to medical emergencies, threats of physical violence, weather-related, or other, 
One of the most difficult things during an emergency is to find help and quickly and efficiently communicate with all parties, regardless of whether you're an administrator, law enforcement, or the end user. With Titan HST, we help distort time by creating high-tech yet simple-to-use mobile-based applications that connect you with the people who can help you. At Titan HST, we believe in the power of people. Welcome back from that break. Thank you so much for listening to our sponsors because without them, we could not do what we're doing here at Ian Weekly. So, uh, Mark, before we went on the break, kind of alluded to the fact that there's some command and control issues that I have questions about. How, how does that look? So, I mean, like we know now that if we have Healy spots around, we know there's a person, there's a ground crew that supports them, you know, as a captain or something like that down on the ground, talking to the aircraft, kind of c- controlling how they fly in and out of the, uh, out of the fire. So there's basically air traffic control. Correct. How do we, how would we still control the air traffic if they have, if they're going to these random Healy uh, tanks around? Well, uh, the air command officer and the one I worked with with uh, Orange County was uh, uh, Tim Perkins was just great in coordinating everything. Um, they still do what they normally do. These heli hydrant locations are already pre-known. They're already uh, GPSed, so to speak, so that the the location of where they're at is um, something that the pilots are very familiar with. So in the command and control you know, element, depending on the size of the fire, they might activate one, all helicopters will rotate through that one and attack the fire. They might have a large enough fire where they may activate two, three, four, five, ten. doesn't matter. Um, and that the, each helicopter would be, you know, in a geographic area and the air traffic uh, controller person, so to speak, uh, knows where they're getting their water from and they keep all the helicopters separated. That's great. Yeah. Because I mean, I've, I've got to observe some of the uh, heel operations, some of the big fires that we had here in Orange County. And, and it's definitely a, a coordination dance that's going on with those helicopters in the sky. Oh yeah. It's not a kind of a side note since we're on sure. this topic. And if you don't know the answer, it's okay. When you're, when you're watching helo operations or air operations in general, sometimes we have the, the, the planes coming in, the fixed wing um, aircraft that's coming in. Uh, we moved here in, in, I guess the United States, but I've seen them only operate in Orange County, LA County. Uh, the large like DC 10 type uh, yes, planes are coming in and doing this. How, how does that movement occur? I mean, and kind of think about now with adding those hydrants into that play and how, how hard is that coordination between all those? Well, that, that, that is controlled in the air operations section of the incident command system. Uh, there's a Helco and an air attack officer, and there's all these people that are in charge of just supervising where all the pilots are flying. And so they'll put a helicopter within a certain geographic area. And if they're also going to bring in a fixed wing into that same area, they'll coordinate with the helicopter, tell them, you know, you go down, stay out of the way, let the the fixed wing come in, make its drop, clear the area, then you can go back to work doing your kind of uh, helicopter operations, whatever that might be. Mm -hmm. So that dance goes on all day long. And that safety uh, distance between the fixed wing and the helicopter, uh, they maintain quite a bit of, you know, not even, we don't want close calls. We don't, we don't want anything to happen. Uh, Air air happens fast. The closing speed for all these folks, you throw smoke in there, you throw urgency in there, you throw a radio traffic in there. There's a lot of people keeping an eye on keeping these aircraft apart. In essence, then, having these tanks spread apart actually sort of helps with that uh, dance then, huh? Exactly. Um, Typically for a a brush fire, 
Um, there might be a one location where that water, you know, right now without the heli hydrant, there might be one location where they get water or there might be one hella spot set up. And that's where they actually take a fire engine, hook it up to a fire engine. And that crew lays out lines and they ground fill the helicopter. The helicopter actually lands. They fill up the helicopter and he takes off. Okay. In a, in this situation with heli hydrants, the, the pilots actually control them. And it can be multiple heli hydrants. So they might use one for a while on one side of the fire. And then if the wind shifts or priorities become different, they can activate the next one on a different side of the fire and keep their turnaround time as short as possible. So that's, it's very pilot controlled. Um, there's nobody on the ground that has to turn them on. Although we do have the redundancy of the water company can have control of also being able to turn them on. Mm -hmm. And, or we also, if, if everything fails, we have manual valve that can make it so that you can have somebody walk up to it and turn it on. And then um, we have redundancy in electronics to back up with batteries and solar powers and you know, line power and everything else. So you thought of everything. Then. Well, I know enough about disasters <laughs> right. that you can't think of everything, but I have thought of a lot. <laughs> right. That's true. Is everything, it's like you said, you thought of everything till that thing that you didn't think of. Coming right. Up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's why they call them disasters because right. things go wrong and they go wrong fast. But realistically, then, I mean, the, the cool part about this this technology that you've created, not only does it allow helicopters to get in the dance faster, right? It also keeps uh, firefighters that would be doing non-firefighter type stuff, which means filling up a, right. a, a tank, to go onto the line to help actually. Well, exactly. I mean, would you rather pay for a fire engine crew to sit there and fill water? Or would you rather have that crew parked in your driveway protecting your house? You know, when we now have a pilot that can turn on his own water, doesn't require any crew at all, and that device will sit there for 50 years. So, you know, it, it, it economically it makes too much sense right. to, to, to not utilize that crew more efficiently. I mean, for the cost of that one tank, you're actually saving three, four times that on just the, the, the crew members being out on the... Oh, yeah. Yeah. If, yeah. You, if, if, it, if the tank's used for, you know, three hours... Um, that's, you know, one third, the cost of the tank right there, uh, instantly. So the first right. fire they ever used are, but if you think about the city, there's thousands of fire hydrants around the city all the time now that some of them are never, ever used. Right. Yeah. In the case of a heli hydrant up on these hillsides, we know they'll be used. They'll be used. They'll be used. And, um, and hopefully they'll be used to quickly get the fire out so that that fire doesn't make the news. Right. That's our goal. You have a fire hydrant in front of a house I hope is never used. That's what we want. <laughs> we want we want you to get this, to protect yourself. We hope it's never used. <laughs> right. Well, here's a question for you. How do we get in touch with you? Uh, whalingfire.com is our website. Uh, we have a little, you know, you can message us from there. You can call me directly, 949-584-0766 is my personal cell. Give me a call and I can answer additional questions. Um those are the two best ways to just get a hold of us and, and we'll be glad to answer all of your questions. Is this certified in all, you know, 52 states? Just joking. I know there's more only 50. <laughs> uh, yes, all 52 states. <laughs> Outstanding. And then the other thing, his toughest question, toughest question of the day. What are you reading right now? What am I reading right now? Yeah. A lot of manuals about equipment, um, electronics and improving valves and things like uh, deuteronomers of uh, gaskets and stuff it it would be so boring to talk about 
it has nothing to do with entertainment. It is, it is all about technology. You know, and, and I ask that question because I always like to see where people are kind of going, um, you know, as far as like getting information and, and what they can share with. And you know what the best part about it is, is Mark, I have someone like you that's interested in reading about all those nooks and crannies and into the electronics and whatnot. So I don't have to. Glad to more than happy. Glad to this was, this was all born out of a terrible fire. I was on mm. where um, the fire was looked out and we were up there holding the line, mopping it up. And we knew we had a wind event coming in just a few hours. And so we were working, 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 trying to get this solid. We were right near a multi-million gallon tank. It was huge. And it was protecting, you know, providing water for a city down below. So we're working, working, working. And all of a sudden the wind comes up and it's ferocious. And all of a sudden, all these spot fires start kicking off mm. and we're chasing them and we're chasing them. We're bringing in crews and we're calling for helicopters and, and they would come and they'd make a drop. And I go, oh, that's great. And I remember them, one of them dropping and he was dropping right near the million gallon water tank that the city has installed for the sole purpose of providing drinking water, of course, and also firefighting water. And I thought, and right then I was when I started to think, well, how come we can't, why isn't he able to get water from that tank somehow? You know, and that's where the heli hydrant was born is I saw this fire. We're right near the million gallon tank. We couldn't get access to it because they secure those tanks so that you can't contaminate them. Right. Yeah. And the water, the water lines actually buried and goes down below. And that's where the, that's where we had to run down to get water from the hydrants. But the helicopter was flying all the way back to the California aqueduct out in the desert floor to get water and then come back up to drop it on this fire that was right near a million gallon water tank. And I thought, we've got to close this loop. And that's really all this is, is just we're closing the loop where we try to protect a trillion dollar city with, you know, a billion dollar water infrastructure using million dollar helicopters. And now we're going to use a few thousand dollars in a tank and close that loop. And we could have done it 60 years ago. Just nobody ever we thought about it. connected the dots. All the right. technology existed many, many decades ago. But as I've shown everybody the details. They're like, well, hasn't somebody thought of this before? And we're like, not according to the patent search. You know, <laughs> we looked all over, nobody, everybody, you know, because it, it's too, it's so many different disciplines. It's, you know, it's radio electronics, it's radio, it's helicopter pilots, it's the fire department, it's the water department. It's, it's, it's a, it's a different little animal. And I was, I'm really glad that we connected the dots. So this is going to save property. It's going to save lives. It is. It totally is. We, we already, the math shows it out. Uh, you know, you want water on that fire that's threatening your house and you want it as much as possible. You can either have lots of helicopters or you can have a few heli hydrants and one helicopter and you will get the same amount of hel of same amount of water on that fire and do the math. You want to pay for a $20 million helicopter or a $50,000 heli, heli tank, heli yeah. hydrant. That is, uh, that's, uh, that's really kind of cool. I know you do other stuff besides these uh, these tanks. Uh, talk a little bit about your command vehicle. Yeah, um, I was at a fire years ago, and next to me at this ranch where I had set up my command post was this uh, farrier. Uh, it's a guy that does horseshoes and stuff like that, and he had this really neat truck, and it had big side doors on it, big door in the back, and and it was really modified as a really great working environment for this horseshoer. So. I'm talking to him about his really great working environment. And he goes, well, yeah, I, I time is money. And these horses don't sit still while we're shooing them. I got to do my job and get on. And the time is money. These people, they want to train these horses. They got, they got things to do. 
And I said, oh, really? And he goes, yeah. He goes, see that horse right over there? He goes, that's a million dollar horse. I go, wow, that's really neat. You know, that's great. You have such a great working environment. I go, well, this is my working environment. I'm in this little, I got a few cabinets on the back of this Suburban. And uh, this is where I work out of, but I think yours is a better idea. And right then this old cowboy horseshoer guy looks up in the sky. There's a tanker flying overhead. And he goes, how much is that thing worth? I go, well, that's worth millions of dollars. And he looks at me and he goes, suit yourself. And he walks away. <laughs> I was just dumbfounded. I go, he's right. Why are we, why aren't we taking advantage of the best ergonomics to, to work in a space? And so they really had a great idea. So the command vehicle is a copy of theirs, shrunk down and streamlined to be more fire department-like. Um, we started marketing them uh, several years ago. And um, we have the first ones coming off the assembly line uh, now. So you talked about pilot control. Is it mic keyed? It's similar to pilot controlled lighting, except the receiver is uh, re-engineered to control a water valve in a special way. Pilot controlled lighting for the general public is a pilot when he's flying into an airport at nighttime needs to turn the lights on. So he'll turn to a certain radio channel click it a certain amount of times and the lights will come on. Okay, gotcha. We took that box, which is Rural Electric out of Arizona. We asked them to re-engineer it to control radio valves. They built us this special box just for the helihydrant. And now we hook it up to valves. The helicopter pilot comes in, he turns it to a special radio channel, does the special clicks and the valve activates and does what we want. Oh, that's kind of cool. Is there grant money associated for the cities to be able to purchase the uh, helihydrant? Yeah, there's there is grant money available for firefighting, you know, prevention, firefighting equipment, firefighting gear. And I have read in the FEMA grants and and there are grants available um, that cities can get money. They also can do this on a loan kind of thing oh. where it's financed. Okay. Uh, the tank company that we work with is Superior Tank out of uh, Rancho Cucamonga. They build those huge million gallon tanks and they put them in all over the world. Uh, they they put me in touch with a finance guy. And if a community wants a helihydrant, they can go to the finance guy, have that helihydrant installed within a few weeks and um, pay no more than what they pay for a car. Are you guys on the approved equipment list? Um, for FEMA? Not yet. Not yet. We're, we're, getting, we're getting that. We just are finishing our first temporary tank. A temporary tank is something that uh, rolls off like a roll off bin mm. from a large truck. Uh, it's engineered exactly like, exactly like a heli hydrant. Uh, it's built obviously a lot differently. And that's for communities that don't want a permanent structure. They want to try something out or they only want it up and running during the summertime or they have a project, a construction project that's going on. Maybe PG&E or Edison are going to be building out in the wildland area and they want to be extra safe. Uh, that, that temporary tank uh, can be rented, leased, or purchased by a city, and they can set it up or leave it in a location where they can rapidly deploy it someplace. Um, they can use it in conjunction with the helihydrants. They can they can do anything. So we have the permanent structures. We have the temporary structures. And Catherine, our CEO, has reminded me to correct on that cost that I'd given out earlier. It's between fifty and $70,000. Okay. okay. Still... Cheaper than letting uh, several homes burn down. It's also cheaper than a fire truck. Cheaper than a fire truck. Cheaper than the, the salaries for firefighters. <laughs> right. Cheaper than, um, 
you know, the, the one, you know, when you see the large jet and it makes that drop, yeah. you know, that, that 12,000 gallon drop, that's about $90,000 right there. That one drop. Right. And that's one time. And if it worked correctly, great. But if it didn't work correctly, that whole value, you still have to pay for it, but it's gone. Right. So the heli hydrant is something that when you amortize it amongst all the citizens and you're probably protecting, you know, let's say a thousand homes and you do it over 50 years, literally it's pennies. Yeah. It's pennies for each and every homeowner to have this kind of water protection for the helicopters to get so they can rapidly uh, suppress fires so that these fires never make the news. And that's our, that's our goal. The heli hydrant is we want to have a fire that they go put it out and it's not newsworthy. Right. That, that to us would be the best news. We also have a, a hose pack and a small little uh, diverter tee that we invented. We sell the hose packs and those are pretty popular with the uh, fire departments throughout the United States. Cool. Well, Mark, thank you so much for your time today. And it was really a pleasure to have you here in studio. Um, if the, I'd like to one more question for you. If you could say anything to all of the emergency managers in the world at one time, what would it be? When the fire hits, it's too late to make the kind of decisions you should have made months earlier. Um, these are permanent structures. They take time to be manufactured and built and installed. And then they just stand by and they do the job that you will wish you had done when the fire hits. Because what, I, what I've seen on fires is it's a disaster. Things go wrong. And the tool that is super effective is that helicopter. But he's only a helicopter. He's only valuable if he has water on board. So help him. Your water company will be glad to help him. Uh, just They just don't know they can do this. Right. They just Nobody knows that, you, that this can be a water company public works kind of thing. It's not really a fire department budgeted item. It's, it's just like um, all the hydrants. Those are all owned by your public works and your water companies. Most people don't know that. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Todd. Thank you for listening to this episode of EM Weekly. And please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast player. And also, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. If you're looking for more information and more emergency management type podcast, check out sitchradio.com because there's a full laundry list over there. See you next week.